You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. We're doing a, uh, a series that we've called uh, Call Christmas Family. And uh, the reason for it, it just seemed to me to be a, a convenient time or a proper time to deal with some family topics because as you think about Christmas and even as you look at the Christmas story in the New Testament, there are a lot of family themes, a lot of family circumstances and issues that take place. Uh, I mentioned last week as we started the series, we do a lot of family things. Most people do at Christmas time as far as uh, getting together, you know, having meals together, exchanging gifts, shopping for family, all kinds of family type stuff that you do. (coughs) This past week uh, for us, we tried to segment out a couple of days. It's hard to find it in your schedule sometimes anymore to kind of put some of our decoration up and put our uh, tree up and all kinds of things uh, like that. And uh, for us as, as a family, it's kind of a in uh, an event for us a little bit. My mother uh, started making myself off collecting Hallmark ornaments uh, when we were married back in 1976. So we've bought one each year. So, you know, needless to say, we're getting old. And uh, we need to think about getting a bigger tree each year because we've got enough ornaments to kind of fill up a tree, you know, big time because of the one that we've bought for every year. But you do family things like that. So that's why we're focusing on family at Christmas, trying to look at this theme. Because as you look in the New Testament and as you look at the Christmas story, it's evident that there's a family that's involved. You have the story of Mary, who is told by the angel that she's going to be with child. Not just any child, but she's going to have the Son of God, bring him into the world. You've got Joseph, who's not the father, because God's the father, the Holy Spirit moves upon Mary. But you do have Joseph in the picture, who's going to serve in an earthly father role for Jesus, and you have this baby being born. So you've got all kinds of family images taking place. And that's why we're just going to try and look some at the family. I want to point out something each and every week, though. It is imperative that Jesus be virgin-born. And while this isn't the main theme of the way we're approaching the Christmas story, I don't want to go a single Sunday without pointing it out because some people in our day and time will start looking scientifically at things and say, well, but that's impossible. Yeah, the Bible says there's not anything impossible with God. That's what the angels said. So it's imperative that Jesus be virgin-born. And here's why. If Jesus is not virgin-born, we don't have a Savior because he's just like the rest of us. And all the other sacrifices would never, ever suffice. We looked at a couple of verses last week. We're going to look at this verse again this week in Hebrews. And it said this, "...because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins." Therefore, when Christ came into the world, and I realize I gave you a couple of partial verses, but I wanted to get you to see the emphasis of what's taking place. Because it's impossible for the blood of animals to take away sins, therefore, Christ came into the world. That's why God sent his son. He sent his son into the world to die on the cross for our sins, that through faith in him, you and I can have everlasting life. We can become part of God's family Because God sent his son into this world to die for our sins. So I want you to understand that. That's a big thing every week that I'm going to say just a a, a few minutes about. Uh, What we're doing is taking the first family of Christmas, which is, of course, you know, Jesus, Mary, God the Father, like I said, Joseph a moment ago. And, And we're going to take the first family of Christmas and use it as an illustration or a theme for us to deal with family circumstances. Because as you read through the Christmas story, there are all kinds of circumstances, really more than we can deal with just in the month that we have. 
uh, I was kind of sweating it a little bit, and I thought, well, if it does hit bad weather here like it did to us last year and kind of mess our Christmas series up, I was thinking, I don't want that to happen. I want us to be able to stay on, on track, so I hope God allows that to happen for us. But uh, there are all kinds of family themes we can look at. Last week, we simply looked at this message, raising a, a spiritually sensitive child. And we weren't talking about Jesus because he didn't have to be trained up to be spiritually sensitive. We were talking about Mary and how she was willing to be obedient to the Father, how she was willing to say, here I am, you know, I'm your servant, do whatever you want to with me, and how as parents we ought to have that as a goal for our children. Well, today our theme is this. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 again, but today we're going to talk about jealousy and, and how we can have a jealousy-free family, or we ought to have the goal of having a jealousy-free family. Now, I know someone's going to wonder, well, why are we talking about that? We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 39 through 58. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, we'll also have the verses on the screen. But someone might wonder, why have a theme of jealousy at Christmas time? Well, I, I know it's probably a wasted topic, Okay. I know you probably never, ever have any jealousy in your home. Families never, ever have jealousy take place. You know, brothers and sisters and things like that are never jealous of each other. Uh, In church, we, of course, because we're good Christians, we're never, ever jealous about what some other Christian may be doing or what they may have or what opportunities they may get. So, So I realize today's probably just a wasted topic, but just in case we need it, okay? (laughs) Just in case we need to deal with jealousy, that's what we're going to do. And uh, we're going to look at the the verses there as we kind of go through the the message this morning and try and look at some needed information maybe we can can gain about jealousy and how to have a jealousy-free family. Here's your first blank if you're following along in in the uh, updates. There's a place you can do that. But uh, the first thing this morning I want you to see is simply this, the delivery of great news. Because you have that taking place. Verse 39 tells us at that time, (coughs) Mary got ready. And this is after she'd been told by the angel what was going to happen. Mary got ready and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered... Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, who, by the way, was her relative. And if you remember when Mary was asking the angel last week, as we were looking in in the verses before this, how in the world can this be? The angel said, well, by the way, your relative, your cousin Elizabeth, in her old age, who people thought would never, ever have a baby, she's having a baby. So what happens is now Mary hurries off with this news that she's been given, wanting to go visit her cousin, her relative that's having a baby, and let her know what's taking place. Now, now, you know, you understand this happens in life. Sure as the world, somebody's going to show up and share great news with you. Do you have that happen? Do you ever have it happen when you really don't want to hear it? Huh? You know, somebody shows up and, and, and something great or fantastic has happened in their life, and they're tickled about it. They hurried to see you, kind of like the picture we have here to tell you about some great news. And maybe you don't want to hear great news. Maybe you're down and out a little bit, or, or you get a little bit jealous over the fact that somebody is sharing good news with you. You know, someone will run and tell you, look, I got a promotion at work, and you were sitting there thinking, I hoped I would get that promotion. Or someone, you know, tells you about some great vacation they've gone on or, or their kid won the football game or, you know, whatever the situation might be. But somebody will show up with good news. And a lot of times in our nature, it's kind of difficult for us to respond the right way to somebody else's good news. Especially maybe in particular when this situation is true. Maybe you have some good news of your own, like Elizabeth had some good news of her own. After all those years, she's now going to have a baby. Maybe you have some good news of your own. And then somebody shows up and their news is so much better than yours, it trumps your good news and it kind of rains on your parade a little bit. 
And, and when that happens, I, I think a lot of times we just have some issues about accepting the good news and being happy for other people. Because we'll get jealous sometimes over something good or great that's happened for someone else. Now, I'm not saying Elizabeth felt like that. We're not told that in the Bible, that Elizabeth, all of a sudden, when she hears this good news and knows the good news about uh, Mary going to be having Jesus, the Messiah, she's going to be having the Son of God. I'm not saying that she necessarily was jealous, but I am telling you that's human nature, isn't it? A lot of times it's just human nature. You know, someone's making a whole lot more money than you're making. Someone's built a whole lot better house than you could build. You know, whatever the scenario is. But, but someone's just sharing really good news with you. And it's very hard sometimes for us to accept and be happy for the other person. And if we don't deal with it right, we go the wrong direction with it. Give you an illustration of that. Uh, sometimes... And, and, and I understand this can be a touchy subject, and I'm not trying to minimize, you know, the way you may feel if, if you've never been able to have a child. But sometimes it can be a really, really touchy subject, even when Mother's Day comes around. That blew me away one time. I, I was pastoring a church out of this area in another part of the state, and I found out after the first Mother's Day that I had some ladies, and it was kind of some elderly ladies that I would have thought would have been more spiritually mature than this, that were upset because we had the mothers on Mother's Day to stand up and recognize them. And they even come and told me that. Now, I'm sorry, but I'm just too logical sometimes. And I'm thinking to myself, that's almost like you are jealous over your own mother having a baby, having you. I mean, what do you do on Mother's Day? You recognize mothers. What do you do on Father's Day? You recognize fathers. And I understand that there are some that have not been able to have kids. And, and I've seen people in churches who served as great father roles and mother roles for young people and children in the church, even though they couldn't have any, they still come across with, with a motherly type attitude and they're looked at by people in the church as though they're, they're a mother by some kids and everything because of the way they respond. But I'm just saying sometimes if we're not careful, we get jealous over stupid stuff. And, and instead of accepting the good news of somebody else, we'll allow it to cause us to go in the wrong direction. Now, let me finish the story because someone's probably wondering, all right, what did you do? Here's what I did. Next Mother's Day, the mother stood up. <laughs> we handed out prizes. I'd rather have two or three upset at me than, you know, than a whole room, whole church full of mothers upset with me. Well, of course that's what we did on Mother's Day. But I'm just pointing out to you how, how jealous sometimes people can be. What happens here in this story is Mary is excited. She hurries down to share great news that she has with Elizabeth, who also was thrilled probably because she's having a baby. But Mary shows up with greater news than what Elizabeth could share, and that is that she's going to be having the Son of God. That's pretty major news, isn't it? So I'm just telling you, in life, you're going to have people deliver good news or great news to you. How do you respond to it? So that's the second thing we're going to talk about. How, how do we respond, the proper response to someone else's great news? How should we respond when someone else shows up in our life and they share really great news with us? Because you can respond some different ways. I should have used this as an illustration a minute ago. I just happened to look over here at, the, at Tim Bradshaw, and Tim had the audacity a few weeks ago to show me this huge buck that he killed when he was hunting out of state, and I can't see anything in the woods here. So, you know, uh, he, he comes and rings on my parade with this great news that, that he had. How, how do we respond when someone has some great news, when someone shows up with really great news. You see, you can respond with jealousy. If you're not careful, jealousy will become anger. If you're not careful, anger will become bitterness in your life, and you'll be responding in the wrong way. I've met people like that. 
I've been like that sometimes. You, you know, let's be honest, you've probably been like that sometimes and had that type of attitude. I've met people before in church, regrettably, that are even jealous over how God is using someone else in the church. You know, like, well, that person gets to play the organ or that person gets to play the piano. I pastored one church. I'm just throwing out a bunch of dirty laundry today, I guess. But I I pastored one church where the organist and the pianist hated each other because they were jealous over each other. I mean, how's God going to bless that? And they're for the first of the service. That was out of this area also. Just keep even trying to attach a name of a church where you know I've pastored or anything like that. But sometimes people will be jealous over things like that. I've met people before who are jealous because someone else has been able to, you know, God's blessed them with their job or whatever. They've been able to build this really nice home. And someone else will get jealous over it because they've got this nice home in a nice neighborhood. I've seen people be jealous over things like that. I mean, even in church, or some, someone be jealous because someone has this nicer car, or someone has a better job, or somebody got to go on this, you know, really nice vacation, or whatever the scenario is. And people just get jealous over a lot of stuff. I've seen children before be jealous over their siblings because somehow in their mind they had developed that, that they thought mom and daddy loved this one more than they loved that one. There's all kinds of reasons jealousy can crop up. People can get jealous over girlfriends and boyfriends, over clothing. You know, who's wearing the nice clothing, the latest style? All kinds of things they can get jealous over. You ever been guilty of doing this or maybe you saw your kids do it? Counting the packages under the Christmas tree to figure out who had the most packages? Or at least keeping a tally on Sunday morning in their mind. You know, they're not counting the packages. They're at least noticing what was given. You know, to where they you know, start thinking, well, that seems like a bigger gift than what I got. We, we can get jealous over a lot of stuff. So how should we respond when someone has great news? I, I think we can learn some lessons from the way Elizabeth responds to Mary's great news that can help us respond in the right way to the good news or the great news that other people may pop into our life with. Look at these verses. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, instead of getting jealous, instead of being upset, instead of being all negative, instead of being bitter, said the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, a baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord What the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. I mean, look at what's said there. She's not being negative. She's not upset at this great news. Instead, she's responding in some really great ways that we need to learn how to respond ourselves toward the great news of other people when they share it. First of all, instead of jealousy, we need to respond with joy. Instead of jealousy, we need to respond to the great news that other people share with us with joy. He said, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Now, I understand that's the baby that's, you know, jumping around for joy. And I realize that's John the Baptist. And that's not necessarily Elizabeth's fault that it's happening. But, but you see an expression of joy taking place in this story. The baby itself jumped for joy. To me, that's a greater miracle than this, just if Elizabeth had been happy. There's a baby inside a womb that's jumping for joy. I mean, I've heard stories, you know, Becky would would tell me before when she was expecting that, uh, you know, both the girls, it seemed like whenever the music was taking place at church, they would kind of kick around and dance around inside. And before we even knew Jared was going to be a boy, 
uh, and, and everything. We really didn't know for sure until he was born, but until we found out, you know, he was going to be a boy, we kind of had some inklings of that uh, because he just acted a little bit different. She said instead of him jumping around when the music is taking place, which you think he would do because he's musical, he, he was jumping around when I was preaching for some reason. But, but here in this story, you've got an expression of joy taking place, and, and it's John the Baptist who's going to be the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ and pave the way for him, jumping in the womb at the news that Mary is going to be having the Son of God. Now, later on, he really has joy. Look what's said in John. This is after their adults. And John the Baptist is talking, he says, You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom, talking about Jesus. The friend, John the Baptist, talking about himself, who attends the bridegroom, waits and listens for him, and is what? Full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater, talking about Jesus, and I must become less. Man, look at the attitude that John the Baptist had. There's no competition, no jealousy, not anything about, well, now he's getting the limelight and I'm not getting the limelight. He said, that's what ought to happen. I need to become less and Jesus needs to be more on the scene. He needs to be more magnified. And John the Baptist has joy. And that's the way we ought to respond. We ought to respond to the great news of other people with joy instead of being jealous and bitter and upset and angry because somebody else has good news. Second way we ought to respond is this. We ought to respond to jealousy, or instead of jealousy, we ought to respond with the great news of others under the control of the Holy Spirit. Look what I said here in the second part of verse 41. And Elizabeth was filled... With the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, a lot of people have different ideas about what being filled with the Holy Spirit means. The word filled literally means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. So, what happens here is that Elizabeth's reaction to the great news that Mary is going to have the Son of God that trumps the fact that she's having a baby in her old age, her response is controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Instead of Elizabeth's response being controlled by maybe, you know, her own fleshly desires or whatever, is controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why she responds in the right way. You see, if we would allow our reactions to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, we would not become jealous when someone else has great news or when God is blessing someone else if we would allow our reaction to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Guys, that's not just true of being jealous or not being jealous. That's true of our choices in life, you know, temptations in life, any reaction that we might have if we would allow the Holy Spirit to control us. That's what the word field means. We're allowing Him to direct our path. We're allowing Him to control our attitudes. We're allowing Him to control the response that we have. And that's hard sometimes because we just respond with emotion, don't we, sometimes? You know, I, I ask my kids. I can get pretty emotional, pretty animated sometimes at home. <laughs> what I need to learn to do and what you need to learn to do, and if, if we could just, when we start feeling like we're going in the wrong direction, if we could learn to call time out <laughs> and say, you know, Holy Spirit, you control this reaction, not me. It, it, would, it would help us greatly in how we respond to other people. Especially when it comes to someone showing up and they've got great news. Some people believe this. Some uh, Bible scholars, because we're not told in the text, to me they might be reading a little bit too much into it. I kindly, My personal opinion is when, when, when Mary gave the greeting to Elizabeth, she also said, you know, hey, I'm having the Son of God, you know, because she was filled with this good news. But some Bible scholars, some well-known Bible scholars, believe that Elizabeth was just shown by the Holy Spirit of God when the baby leapt inside of her what was taking place in Mary's life. So maybe that did happen. Maybe Elizabeth was so in tune to the Holy Spirit, so controlled by the Holy Spirit at that point in her life, she just understood what was taking place. God revealed it to her. Maybe that's a possibility. 
But I am telling you that it will help us respond in the correct way to the good news of other people if we will allow the Holy Spirit to control our reaction and our attitudes and our emotions rather than just us get jealous, you know? Well, I'm, I'm driving a 1972 Pinto. And my neighbor just bought a Mercedes. I didn't get to go on vacation this year. And this other family that we're friends with, they went to Honolulu. You, you know how that happens, how our minds work. And if we would just learn, one, to uh, let joy be our reaction, and second, allow the Holy Spirit to control our reaction, then we could respond in the right way to the good news of others. Which, by the way, this is great news, and I'll come back to this near the end of the service, but this is great news that Mary is sharing. Thank God the Savior is going to be born. Amen. How do we respond to the great news of other people? The third way that we need to respond is this. Instead of jealousy, we need to respond with blessing or authentic happiness for the other person. I mean, you should have seen it on a cursory read just a moment ago, but look at this passage again. Look at verse 42 through, through verse 45. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, I mean, she's not kind of muttering to herself, you know, well, you know, bless you, Mary, because of what God's done for you. In a loud voice, she's communicating, she's exclaiming, blessed are you among women. And blessed, second time she uses the word blessed, blessed is the child you will bear. Look what else she says. Why am I so favored? Remember what I said about the word favor last week? It comes from the same word that we get the word grace from in the Greek. So it's like she's saying, why am I so graced with this news? Why do I get the chance to be so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? You see, she's not upset. She's authentically happy for what's taking place in Mary's life. She said, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, a baby of my own leaped for joy. Blessed is she. Third time, she says, blessed. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. She's not just happy about what's happening in Mary's life. She's happy that Mary's believing what God said. And that needs to be our response, people. When, when someone comes to us with great news, instead of us being a spoil sport, instead of us being jealous and bitter and upset, we just ought to respond like Elizabeth does and thank God that God has blessed that person. Thank God that that person is experiencing something good. We need to be authentically happy for that individual. Having said that, I want you to look at several verses in the Bible about jealousy. I'm not going to have time to detail them out, but I, I felt like we needed to just overview some things that the Bible says about jealousy. Romans chapter 12. Love must be sincere. Maybe underline that word sincere in your mind. If love's sincere, we're going to respond to people in the right way. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. If we are really devoted to someone else, to love them as we should, we're not going to be jealous and bitter about good news that they have. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Maybe stop and underline that phrase in your mind for a moment. Serving the Lord. You see, here's the thing about that. It's about Him. It's not about us. And if we'd understand 
Our life is about him and about serving him. It doesn't matter how he's blessed somebody else or how he's using somebody else. I need to be focused on serving him. You need to be focused on serving him. And if we were focused on serving him as we ought to be, we won't have time to get jealous and bitter and upset over other people. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Notice this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And this is really why I drew this verse out. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. We can do the second part of that pretty good sometimes, can't we? If someone's lost a loved one, if someone's going through a problem, we can kind of pull alongside of them. A lot of times it's pretty easy to do that and be sad with them and mourn with them. But our problem comes in this thing called jealousy. We need to rejoice when someone is rejoicing. We need to be happy for somebody when they're happy. We need to be glad with them when they're glad just as easily as we can mourn with them when they're sad, when something's going on difficult in their life. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. If we would have that mentality that I'm not, you know, a superstar, that you're not a superstar, that we don't deserve preferential treatment, if we would have that type of attitude in our lives that we're willing to associate with people of low position, then we won't be upset when someone has a high position. Look at the next verse. Acts chapter 7, through these verses we're about to look at now, I want you to notice that jealousy is taking place because God's using somebody else. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, what did they do? They sold him as a slave into Egypt. Brothers were jealous over him. My daddy loves him more than he loves us. Look at that multicolored coat he gave him. We're just going to sell him into slavery because of jealousy. In Acts chapter 5, then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sanhedrin, uh, the Sadducees rather, you know, here, here's these religious people in Judaism. They were filled with jealousy because of how God was using Christianity, how God was using Paul and Peter. Look at the next verses. Acts chapter 17, but the Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace formed a mob and started a riot in the city and they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. They are jealous because of how God was using Paul and Silas so they decided to get together some people of bad character to spread rumors. God help us, it almost sounds like church, doesn't it? Acts chapter 13. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. I mean, that's almost like one church being jealous over another church. Look, they got a full parking lot. I wish we had a full parking lot. They're, They're jealous simply because the people gathered together to listen to what Paul was saying. The Jews were jealous because Paul was drawing a crowd and they weren't. That's jealousy happening within, quote, religious people and they're jealous over how God's using somebody else. Look at the next verse. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Now, now look, at, look at where jealousy is look where jealousy's parked right here. What is beside of? Not in orgies. And drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and what? Jealousy. Look at, look at the, the negative stuff that is listed there and jealousy's parked beside of it. You know, and all of us instantly would say, oh yeah, you know, all that other stuff's wrong. That's bad. That's bad. God says jealousy's bad. See, jealousy leads to a lot of other negative stuff, even murder sometimes. Bitterness in your heart causes your heart to shut down and not be open to God even moving your heart because you're so jealous. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. In other words, don't think about even being jealous. Avoid the thought of jealousy. Look at the next verse. 
First Corinthians chapter 3, you are still worldly. Now, he's talking to people that have trusted Christ, but he said, you're still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? He's saying that's indicative of the fact that you're still living a worldly type life because you have jealousy. Jealousy leads to what? Quarreling. And even worse, are you not acting like mere men? 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20, For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear there may be quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Next verse. <coughs> Last one. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, once again, notice where jealousy is part. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, what? Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, which is another word for jealousy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Man, what a warning. Now, the reason I read all that is simply for this reason. We just talked about how we should respond to the good news of others. We ought to respond to the good news of other people with joy. We ought to respond by allowing the Holy Spirit to control our reaction to the good news of other people where we're not jealous. We ought to respond to the good news of others with authentic happiness and bless them and bless the Lord for what He's done in their life. And what we ought to do on the other side of it is recognize jealousy for how ugly and sinful it is. Because it's parked in a bunch of sin there, guys. It's parked in a bunch of negative stuff. So as Christians, it ought to be our goal. And as Christian families, and as a Christian church family, it ought to be our goal as much as possible to kill jealousy. To have a jealousy-free family. To have jealousy-free church. To have jealousy-free attitude. Because of what the Bible says here about, about jealousy. Third thing I want you to see this morning is this. I want you to notice the result in celebration of great news accepted by others. And what I mean by that is, is, is this. Mary on the other side of seeing Elizabeth's reaction just goes into a song of praise. Now, I'm not saying that Mary would not have praised God anyway. But just maybe as we think about human nature, just maybe it was a little bit easier for her to go into this song of praise because of how Elizabeth had reacted. Look what Mary says here. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has been mindful of the humble estate of His servant." From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hunger with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. He, as He said to our fathers, Mary stayed with Elizabeth then for about three months and then returned home. Now, like I said a moment ago, I'm not saying that Mary would not have sung this praise anyway. But I want you to think about human nature. You've been in her shoes before. Think about this. You go and you've got something you're really excited about. And you share it with somebody else. And they rain on your parade. It makes it a little bit harder in that moment, to be as happy as you were, doesn't it? It makes it a little bit more difficult to be as excited as you were. I went one time on an evangelism uh, conference training 
a few years ago. Man, I came back really fired up by what they had taught and what they had said and seeing how it could be used in maybe that particular church as a system to try and reach people. And I got back and I shared it with, with someone, kind of leader in the church, and it, and it was like, you know, instantly, instead of thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, people will never do that. They won't come for 12 weeks for training. <laughs> and it rained on my parade, and it stole some of the energy and joy I had in that moment. Now, the reality of it is a lot of people did come, and about 50 people won to Jesus that year because of that, in that particular church, in that particular time. But I'm just, you know, in my own experience, I'm thinking to myself, how, how much easier would it have been for me to have been positive and happy if the person hadn't rained on my parade as soon as I shared good stuff with them? You've had it happen to you, haven't you? You're excited, you're telling somebody else about some great news, and they, and they just kind of are real snobbish with you or whatever. And it kind of robs your joy just a little bit. What happened in this story is that when Mary comes to see Elizabeth, instead of Elizabeth raining on her parade whatsoever and being snobbish or jealous, she's excited, she's happy for what's getting ready to take place in Mary's life. She is thrilled to death that Mary is going to be the mother of the Lord. And I'm just telling you, that gives us an example about how we ought to be. Because since you have experienced before someone raining on your parade and it robbed your joy, just maybe we need to remember when someone comes to us with great news, let's not rain on their parade. Instead, let's march in their parade. Let's hold up the banners. Let's get behind them and let's march in their parade and encourage them to praise God all the more. Encourage them to be blessed all the more. Encourage them to be thrilled to death all the more and happy all the more because of how the Lord had blessed them. That's what we ought to do. Don't rain on people's parade. Let's get in their parade and help support them. You see what it said at the very end of that? Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. Now, part of that was the distance that she traveled. She probably had to walk 75 to 100 miles. It's what most Bible scholars believe, somewhere around that distance. That's a long ways to walk, you know, especially for a young lady and everything in that day and time. But you know what? I think the way Elizabeth responded to the great news of Mary would just have encouraged the fellowship of staying there and hanging out for three months. If Elizabeth had responded the wrong way, I wonder if that fellowship would have happened for three months. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is this. If we're not careful and we respond the wrong way to the great news of other people, we may spoil the opportunity that we have to have fellowship with that person over a period of time because we have reigned on their parade instead of marching in their parade. Last thing I want you to see this morning is this. I want you to notice the golden rule blessing of rejoicing with others. Most of you know what the golden rule is. We'll look at it in just a moment. But the Bible said when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son, of course, which was John the Baptist. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. Remember, she's in her old age. People thought she's never going to have a baby. Now she does. So her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they did what? They shared her joy. Elizabeth, did you get the big picture? Elizabeth was happy for Mary. Elizabeth responded the right way to the great news that Mary had. And just maybe because of that, her neighbors responded with joy to the blessed event in her life when she had John the Baptist. See, what's the reverse of that? Well, just maybe if she had been bitter and upset and jealous over Mary's news, just maybe as a result of that, instead of getting a golden rule blessing, just maybe instead a result of that would have been that they would have been jealous and bitter and upset that Elizabeth had had a baby in her old age. 
You know what the golden rule is, don't you? Look at what the Bible says. Here's the way Matthew wrote it, inspired of God. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Luke put it like this. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's what we call the golden rule. So in other words, if we want people to be happy about our good news, just maybe we better be sure that we're happy about the good news of others. Elizabeth was thrilled to death over Mary's great news. And because of that, just maybe because of that, God ensured that all of her neighbors and her relatives were thrilled to death about when she had John the Baptist. Might be a good lesson for us to learn. Because you see, as I was talking about how we ought to respond to the good news of other people, you know how we are in human nature a lot of times also? Well, what's in it for me? (laughs) You tell me I ought to be happy for somebody else, what do I get out of it? Just maybe this. Just maybe if you're happy for someone else, somebody else will be happy for you. Just maybe if you refuse to be jealous towards somebody else, God will work in other people's lives to where they will not be jealous toward you. Christmas, time is family time. And regrettably, even in great times like Christmas, attitudes like jealousy can crop up. Who gets what for Christmas? You know, who, who gets to go where for Christmas? All kinds of stuff. People will come into our lives and it's going to happen and you're going to do it yourself in the lives of other people. There will be times we are sharing great news or somebody else is sharing great news with us. We need to be able to receive it the right way. We need to understand how ugly jealousy is. We looked at it in the Bible, all those verses, how ugly God considers jealousy. I mean, as much as all those other sins that are listed there that we would think, yeah, those are bad. Guess what? As far as God's concerned, jealousy's bad. So what we need to remember and do when someone else has great news or a great event happen in their life Instead of being jealous, we need to respond with joy. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to control our responses. We need to respond with authentic happiness for what's happened in the life of another person. So as the band gets ready to come and play here in just a moment, can I ask you, how do you respond to the good news of others? Maybe it's happened recently in your life. Maybe someone came and and, and shared great things with you and you got upset about it, bitter, because you've not had any good stuff happen lately. Or maybe they didn't tell you. You just knew about it, you know? That person's being so blessed and, and you're upset because you're almost wondering, what's wrong with me? How How do you respond to the good news of others? And especially this morning, how have you responded to the greatest news of all? That God became man in order to go to a cross and shed His blood for your sins. That through faith in Him, you can have everlasting life. That's the greatest news of all. That's the news that Mary is about. That's the news that that, that Christmas is about. How have you responded to the greatest news of all? Have you received Christ as your Savior? Let's pray. Father, today, Father, we ask you to help us right now to to evaluate in our own lives how how we respond to the great news, the good news that other people may bring us about their own lives. God, how have we responded maybe when we were excited about our own good news and the good news of somebody else seems just to blow ours away, to trump our good news. Father, I pray you help us this morning to recognize how you view jealousy 
how terrible jealousy is. All the other things, tragic things, sins, harmful things that jealousy can lead to. And Father, help us this morning as believers to try and learn these lessons so we'll, we'll respond the correct way, the right way to the great news of other people. And Father, I pray right now if there's someone here that has never said yes to the great news of Jesus, to the news that He took their sins upon Himself on the cross, and that He paid in full, complete, final payment forever for our sins. Father, there's someone today that does not know Christ as their Savior. Help them to say yes, to respond to the greatest news of all time, that God became man and went to the cross and shed God's blood so that through that perfect sacrifice, we might have everlasting life. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. The invitation today can be varied. It could be as simple as, you know, us as parents needing to prepare our children for Christmas morning where they're not jealous. For us to teach our family, teach our children how bad jealousy is. The Bible says it's really bad. Parked beside a lot of terrible sins. Maybe this morning some of us are a little bit convicted because of how we have been jealous over other people and the blessings that we've seen God give other people. So maybe we need to ask God to forgive us and help us to have the right attitude from now on out about the great news of other people. Maybe you need to come and pray and say, God, help me to really have joy for other people or to be controlled by the Holy Spirit when I respond toward the good news of other people or to be authentically happy for others when they have great news. Just maybe somebody needs to accept the greatest news of all time. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. As the band plays, if you need to come, please come and pray. and I'll be here at the front if you need any listening to sermon audio from Dayton Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.